Glenn Wolf is a record holder. Glenn has been, uh, he's a record holder in the United States. He's been married 29 times. The longest lasted seven years. The shortest lasted 19 days. You would think, after all those marriages, Glenn could figure out what the common denominator is, right? Yeah, somebody said stay single. Why would he do that? Why would he get remarried or... Why would he 29 times go at it again? 29 times say, this is the one. Now, I'm positive this is the one. I'm sure this, this is the girl. This is the girl of my dreams. And it didn't work out. And then again, and it didn't work out. Maybe if Glenn would stop trying to get satisfied long enough to realize that what his soul really craves would not be met by anything physical. Because you can't purchase You can't achieve, you can't even marry your way into your soul craving being satisfied. This is the last week of a series called Soul Cravings, and I've been talking about how God has placed in each of us this craving, this craving to know that our life makes a difference, this craving to know that at the end of the day we can look in the mirror and say, my life counts. The things I do all add up to mean something. We've all got that craving inside of us, but we start to search and we start to search and we start to search and put all of these things in our lives that may not be bad things, but they were never meant to fill us up. Anybody crave sugar? Any sugar cravers? How about uh, caffeine? Anybody? My Diet Coke's right here on the front row waiting on me. This morning, we, the coffee got here like a half an hour late, so the first service started with no coffee, and there were just people just wandering around like this in the lobby. They, they didn't know where to go. They didn't know what, the band was sleepy, I was sleepy. It just it did not go well because the coffee wasn't there. You have anybody like that in your life, like before they drink their coffee, like don't cross them? You know, anybody, any spouses, you don't have to raise your hands. Around our office, there's some people, when they come in, you just, you just say back off until they get one cup of coffee in them. How about... How about chocolate? Anybody crave chocolate? Man, my, t- my favorite chocolate is Dove chocolate. There's little Dove uh, bits of wisdom. You know, you open them up and it's got this little saying inside. I was trying to make a decision one time and I ate a whole bag trying to get, get some wisdom. You know, the great thing about cravings like that, chocolate or caffeine or sugar, we can meet them like that. If I want some caffeine, I go get a Diet Coke. If I want some sugar, I go get it. If I want some, some chocolate, I just go get it and eat it, and, and then, oh, my craving is satisfied. But when you hype yourself up on sugar and coffee and caffeine, what happens next? Unless you've got like a string of eventually you're going to crash. Eventually, it's not going to fill you up. Eventually, you're going to be laid out taking a nap. It's the same thing spiritually. When we fill our lives up with things that were never meant to sustain us, that were never meant to keep us full, eventually we're going to crash. About a year and a half ago, I began to beg my wife for something. When I was a, a, a teenager, early on into my 20s, I raced motocross, enjoyed it, and I mean, like the real thing, like, you know, with other people on a real track and trophies and all that stuff, and, and, and I loved it, so, but I went many, many years without it, so I began to ask my wife as I saw this certain age approaching, I won't mention, and I was thinking, 
I need a motorcycle. I think that would fix my life. You know, right now what I need is relieve stress, just fix things up. I, and, and so I, I asked, honey, what do you think? And I won't say what the first response was, but like by the hundredth ask, it was like, just get one. Now I know what your mother went through, you know, just go get one. So I did. And then the third time out, it had been about almost 20 years since I had been on a motorcycle, and I was just like, oh, man, this is the life, you know, it's going to be great, and every week I'm going to go and relieve my stress, and this is how I'm going to do it. Third time out, took one of the other pastors with me, we go out in the country to this racetrack, and, and I'm just going along, going to show him my stuff, you know, impress him a little bit, show him what I can do, and I crashed, and the thing about that crash is I don't even remember it because I got a concussion, you know, he said I jumped up, gave the thumbs up, and rode for 30 more minutes, I don't even remember the day. I don't. I remember waking up in a hosp- in the hospital, like, oh, I'm in trouble, and then going home and bringing up Craigslist and nice used motorcycle for sale. <laughs> it didn't satisfy my craving for very long. I crashed literally, but also realized, you know, those things aren't meant to fill me up. And many of us go through life looking for the next thrill or the next achievement, or the next thing, far beyond any craving that that food can take care of, into a craving that goes deep inside of our soul that nothing else can take care of except for God. And the bottom line for this whole series has been, my soul cravings, if you haven't written this down by now, write it down. My soul cravings are designed by God to lead me to Him. You know, we all want to be satisfied. We all want to live a complete life. Everybody. Who doesn't want to be complete? If you were to grab a college student or a high school student just getting out of school saying, what are you going to do next? They might say, well, I'm going to school. Or they might say, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to get a job, get my own place to live. And then I'm going to be as incomplete and unsatisfied as I can. Nobody says that. Everybody wants to experience what life is like complete. Everybody wants to know that their life counts. My problems, my problem is I start to fill my cravings with something other than what counts. Try to fill up my cravings other than what God designed. And like a sugar high, it might work for a little while, but then you crash and the craving returns. Emptiness returns. Jesus was one time having a conversation with a young man, and and he was wanting to know how to be complete. He was wanting to know, how can I have a fulfilled life? And Jesus responded by saying, in Matthew chapter 19, if you want to be complete, follow me. So there is a direct connection between being complete and being fulfilled and following Christ. Somehow, when a decision is made that, hey, I'm I'm really going to I'm really going to to do it. I'm going to follow Christ. When that decision is made, there's a part of me that gets full through that, that will not get full through anything else, no matter what you've tried. And it's not uncommon to find ourselves in a place where we look for, for fulfillment and completeness and grab onto anything to find completeness, even if it's temporary. One day Jesus interacted with a lady who was dealing with that very thing. She had tried to fill her life up with other things, with the things that were not designed to fill her up, with the things that would not satisfy her soul craving. 
It's found in the book of John. It's in the New Testament, fourth book in there. If there's some ushers coming up the aisles and down the aisles, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and they'll give you one. It's yours to keep. Jesus was on a trip from one town to another. And he was walking. For some reason, he was alone. And he got tired because it was hot and it was dusty. It was the middle of the day. And so he decided to stop off and get a drink of water. And when he stops to get a drink of water, there was also this lady who had stopped at this well. And she was drawing water for whatever reason. And Jesus begins to have a conversation with her by saying, I'm thirsty, can you give me a drink? And he begins this conversation with a lady that he wasn't supposed to have. Because the Bible says she is a Samaritan woman. Jesus was a Jew. And if there was one thing you didn't do in that culture, if you were a Jewish man or a Samaritan woman, you did not talk, ever. It was a bad thing. You could get beat up. It was like wearing an ugly shirt in middle school. You know, you get beat up for it. You could get killed. You could get kicked out of your family just for having a conversation. So you can imagine her fear when this Jewish man comes up and says, can you give me a drink of water? She had to think, what? I'm a Samaritan. Samaritans were the result of what happened generations before the Jewish nation, part of them were taken into captivity into Babylonian captivity, and it wasn't long before Babylonians and Jewish people got together, if you know what I mean. They got together, and what the result was, was Samaritans. They called them half-breeds. They, they didn't think they were a real person. They didn't think they were true citizens. They said, you're not really worth much because you're just a half-breed. You're the result of, of God's people being in captivity. You're the result of these pagans. You're nothing. You don't mean anything. You're so bad, we're not even going to talk to you. So it was illegal. And then Jesus has a conversation with this Samaritan woman by saying, can you give me a drink of water? This, that story tells us that Jesus will talk to anybody no matter what you've done, no matter how you feel, no matter what anybody else has told you, he'll have a conversation with you. He'll meet with you. So she says, why are you asking me for a drink? And he responds to her in John chapter 4, verse 10, by saying, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. What he's trying to say to her is, I can take care of that thirst right now if you would only start looking in the right place. Because he could see inside of her soul the same way he can us, and he says to us the same way he said to her, I can take care of that. If you're searching for all of these different ways to fill your life up, he says, wait a minute, I, I can quench that thirst. I can fulfill that need inside of you to be, feel important. To feel like your life is significant. To feel like you have a future. To feel like your past means something. I can fulfill all of those things if you only knew. Or if you would only sit down and have a conversation with me. He says to her, in a sense, if you, if you only knew who you were talking to, you would leave these water jars behind. And you would be set free. So, 
she says, living water? What, what are you talking about, you know, strange Jewish man? Living water? You don't have a, have a rope? How, how am I going to get this living water? She's thinking physical, like a drink, like I can suck down this water and all of a sudden my, I will never be thirsty again. Maybe in the back of her mind she's just hoping that it is something more. So, Jesus says to her in verse 13, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Translation for us today, you can fill yourself up with the physical and still not be satisfied. Your life can look like it all makes sense on the outside, but on the inside, be full of a craving that you just can't satisfy. The physical won't sustain you the same way my caffeine's going to stop working about two o'clock today no matter what else is going on in my house dad is taking a nap it won't sustain you she doesn't really even know what jesus is talking about she thinks he's talking about a drink of water so she said to him give me this water so i won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water again she's confused She's thinking, give me this physical thing. It's going to quench my thirst. She knows better than anybody what her thirst is. And she's saying, let me have it. So I won't have to make this trip down this dusty road. And then Jesus asks her to do something that opens her eyes. He asks her to do something maybe the way he may have asked you to do something through a relationship or through reading the Bible or through circumstances in your life. He asked her to do something that all of a sudden she has this, oh wow, this guy might really know what he's talking about. He has a simple request. Why don't you go get your husband? She goes, well, um, wow, uh, that's a big question, uh, Jewish man that I don't know. Uh, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five husbands, and the guy you're living with now, he, he's not even your husband. So because of her desire to fill herself up, to feel loved, to feel important because she was one of those citizens that were never allowed to be important because she's a Samaritan, as a result of that, as a result of her desire and her craving to fill herself up, she's got this long string of failed relationships in her life because she never identified what the real craving was. She, she was trying to satisfy, really what it was, was a need for love, a need for intimacy. Can't you just imagine, she goes home to her mom and says, Mom, I found the man I'm going to marry. He's perfect. He's great. You've got to meet him. And they get married, and then a few months later, I can't stand that guy. I want another one. So, Mom, I found the guy I'm going to marry. He's great. He's wonderful. He's perfect. I don't like him anymore. Mom, I found the guy. He's the man of my dreams. He's perfect. I don't like him anymore. And then the fourth time, Mom, really, Mom? And by that time, her mom's going, yeah, 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 he's great looking, you know, he's handsome, whatever. She kept searching and searching and searching for love and intimacy and could never find it. That's the same thing the guy's searching for that's been married 29 times hoping that that next thing is going to be the one. 
that next achievement. Can you relate? Can you relate to driving down the road thinking, after this next break, life is going to sing. Man, life is going to start to make sense. After this next raise, after this next purchase, after this next thrill, after this next relationship, life is all of a sudden going to start to make sense, and we're going to have a hold of what we're supposed to have a hold of, and then life is just going to be great, and we're just going to live life the fast as we can, as full as we can, and everything is going to work. The problem is, you just never quite get there. And there's always that next thing, and always the next thing to accomplish, or person to meet, or job to have, or city to move to. It's just the next, the next, the next. And all those things are okay by themselves, but if you're trying to do that to fill up your life, and to find meaning, and to find love, and to to find acceptance, it won't work. In 1984, I began to beg my parents for something. You see, that's a pattern, (laughs) I guess. I began to beg them for a new car, and, and I had to have this car, if I'm 41, because you're trying to add up, so, so, so I began to, to, to beg, Mom, Dad, I, I believe my life would be complete, look at this, it's a 1984 Chevy Camaro, five-speed T-tops, rally wheels, and it's got the bass on the cassette player. I believe, oh great mother and father, that if you would purchase this for me, my life would be complete. And, and all of my friends would come and celebrate because now I have the car that I wanted. And you might think I'm a spoiled brat, but I came home one day and boom, there it was, the one I asked for. So, wow, amazing. So I'm driving, I'm like, life makes sense. This is what it's supposed to be about. This car, look at this. Hey, like my, I even, I went to school and showed my high school principal. I was like, man, come and look at my car. And look at this. How much better does it get for a 17-year-old? The first month I had the car, I'm driving down this country road, and this kid comes along out of this field on a motorcycle. You get the irony in that. So he comes along this field on a motorcycle and plants it right in the middle of the highway in front of me. I slam on the brakes, hit him. He flips back. This is true. He flips back over my car. I don't even go back and look at the kid. I run around to the front of the car, and all of a sudden... All of a sudden, my fulfilled life, my perfect life, everything that had been filled up inside of me with this car was just falling apart. And it was just like, oh my gosh, look at this. What, what, how, this it'll never be the same again. It's not going to, I want a new one. And oh, there's a guy behind me back in the road. And you know, so I go back and check on the kid, broken leg, broken arm, broken collarbone. And, and, and my life fell apart because I thought, if I could just have this car, everything's going to be okay. Then we get older. And we start to desire other things that the consequences are much greater than messing up the front of your Camaro. Much greater than breaking some guy's body all to pieces. The consequences are much greater than just saying, oh, that'll never be the same again. Because it's not a car, it's now our emotions. It's now our souls. It's now our marriage. It's now the relationship we have with our kids. And because all of this stuff that we thought was going to make us full has now come falling down and it's damaged all of these other things because we were just reaching and it was just out of reach and we're trying to get it. In Greek mythology, there's a guy named Tantalus. And Tantalus angered the gods. And the fable goes like this. When Tantalus angered the gods, they put him in this big vat of cool, clear spring water. And, and it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a hot, hot day, and they put him in this vat of water, and then they put this water underneath this apple tree. That, and it says the apples were the largest, most sweet, most satisfying apples on the face of the earth. 
So here's Tantalus in this water, under this apple tree, and he gets thirsty. And when he bends down to drink, the water drains just beyond his reach, and he can't get a drink. And then he gets hungry, so he reaches up to get one of these apples that are supposed to be the best in the world. And every time he reaches up, the tree withdraws its limbs just far enough that Tantalus can't get the apple and satisfy his hunger. So he lives in a constant state of being hungry. Uh, And what he needs and what he wants is just outside of his reach. How many of us live our lives just that one reach, just standing up there reaching for it, thinking if I can just get this, then life's going to be okay. If I can just accomplish this, then everything's going to be all right. But it's just beyond our grasp. And even if we did reach it, it wouldn't make us happy. It wouldn't fulfill that place that's inside of us that God created to lead us back to Him. So the rest of this story between Jesus and this woman at the well, this Samaritan woman, goes like this. They begin to have this discussion back and forth. She asked him questions. He asked her questions to have this theological discussion. And she begins to talk about the Messiah that she hopes is coming, that she's heard is coming. And then Jesus says the words that she'd been longing to hear. He says, I am the Messiah. And then somewhere she gets it. Oh, you're not talking about H2O. You're not talking about something that comes out of that well. You're talking about something much deeper than that well. You're talking about being able to fulfill what's really deep down inside of my heart. And listen what it says in John chapter 4. The woman left her water jar beside the well, ran back to the village telling everyone, come meet the man who told me everything I ever did. She was led back to God. She had this interaction with Jesus Christ. She had this conversation with Him. And she was led back to God. Her soul craving, my soul cravings, are designed by Him to lead me back to Him. A couple of interesting things just about this one sentence. She left her water jar behind. Thirsty people don't leave their water jars behind. And and she went back to her village and she began to tell everybody about what was going on, about what Jesus did. She leaves her water jars there because she doesn't need them anymore. She'd probably come to the well to get water for the house she was shacked up in with this guy. So can't you imagine the scene when she shows up home with no water jars, throws open the door, He's thinking, he's laying on the couch watching TV, and she's th- he's thinking, where's the water jar? I'm thirsty, woman. She maybe bends over, whispers in his ear, you got to get out. I met the Messiah, and he said, you got to leave. I mean, he probably tore out of there like, okay, all right, bring the Messiah into it. I'm out of here. I'm done. But it wasn't just the water jar she left behind that day. It was her old life. It was the way she used to live. It was the string of failed relationships. It was the searching for fulfillment and purpose in something other than what God had designed her to search for. It was a big day that day, and he reached inside of her soul. And that might sound really weird. Maybe you're just here, and 
first time and you're investigating the claims of Christ and you got some serious questions about the Bible and, and Christianity and all that stuff, but he did reach inside of her that day. And if that's you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And her life changed. She made the move from what did not fill her up to what did fill her up. You know, this, this whole series where we've talked about soul cravings, right up till about a week before we launched this place, it was going to be something totally different. I was reading this book one day and I said, this is what I need to hear. And I think this is what people need to hear. So we changed everything, freaked everybody out in the office, just changed it all at the last minute. Because the reason we talked about soul cravings for the first four weeks of our church was to try to motivate us to move from the things that don't fill us up to the things that will. To motivate us to, to enjoy the stuff that God has for us, no matter what that is. But to also realize those things were never designed to fill our lives up. Because there's a place that He created in each of us just for Him. And as long as we stuff things on top of that, it'll never work. So we all have a choice. We all have a choice. Are we going to move beyond just searching for meaning in things? Or are we going to keep trying to fill our lives up with things that make us feel like we're just reaching and we just can't quite get there? You might want to talk to somebody about that. On the back of your WhatsApp card, there's a few boxes you can check. You'd like to talk to a pastor. You'd like to know more about what it means to be a Christ follower. You can do that today. Just check that. Drop that in that popcorn bucket on the way out or drop it off at the info booth and somebody will be in touch with you really fast. And you can make that move. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the way you revealed yourself to us through uh, this series called Soul Cravings. The way that, uh, that you create us to need something more than what life can give us, to need you. Got to pray for the person that's sitting there today knowing that they need to check on that box, that they need to talk to somebody. I pray you give them the courage to do so and to make a move and change today. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.